I have been given Philippians chapter 2 to talk about today and Steve also asked me if I would pray for a prophetic word over our church and I've really enjoyed spending time with God this week and asking him about that word and I'm very excited about the message that I get to bring today. I feel that the message that God has given me to speak today it's something that I could never have come up with on my own. And I feel really excited about the fruit that will come from this word. So the prophetic word that he gave me was that we would have a new level of unity with each other founded on our unity with God. I'll say that again. We're going to have a new level of unity with each other founded on our unity with God. As I prayed into this more, God gave me, gave me some keys to this unity that we will in, uncover together today. And I'm going to start Philippians a little bit into the chapter in verse 12. And it says, Dearest friends, you were always so careful to follow my instruction when I was with you. And now that I am away, you must be even more careful to put into action God's saving work in your lives, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire to obey him and the power to do what pleases him. The first encouragement I felt we needed today before we even really get started is to know that God is working in you. I felt in my spirit that there are some people who feel that God is not at work in them, that they can see him at work in those around them, but somehow they have missed out and God is not doing anything in them. I really felt that God wanted you to be sure that he is at work in you and you have not been left out of his plan. So the first thing God gave us together was a prophecy that we are going to have a new level of unity with each other. And the second thing he's given us is a promise that he is at work in you. Now I'm going to jump down to verse 19 where Paul is talking about Timothy. And he says, If the Lord is willing, I hope to send Timothy to you soon. Then when he comes back, he can cheer me by telling me how you are getting along. I have no one else like Timothy who genuinely cares about your welfare. All the others care only for themselves and not for what matters to Christ Jesus. I paused there and those words really stood out to me. What matters to Christ Jesus? I thought if Paul was describing me in that sentence, would he describe me as somebody who cares for myself or someone who cares for what matters to Jesus? As a girl who's been a Christian for 29 years, since I was three years old, I know many things that matter to Jesus. Um, but in preparing for this message, um, God gave me a fresh revelation of some of the things that matter to him and what they mean to our unity with him and with each other. 
This may sound a bit strange, but it's something that God has used in my life before to speak his wisdom into my soul. Um, and I guess it's something that I can't think up in my own head. And so God will use this to confirm his word to me. And you're probably thinking, what is she talking about? Well, I'm talking about numbers. So God gave me the number 17. Um, and I felt that I should look through the Gospels at chapter 17 of each Gospel for verses with one and seven and 17 in them to get a picture of some of the things that matter to Jesus. So I went first to Matthew chapter 17 and in verse seven, we see uh, the end of the transfiguration scene uh, where Jesus takes Peter, James and John up the mountain and Moses and Elijah appear and they're talking to Jesus and the disciples are just flipping out. And um, when God's voice speaks from the sky and says, this is my son, I am fully pleased with him. Listen to him. The disciples are terrified and they fall face down on the ground. And Jesus comes over and touches them and says, get up, don't be afraid. And I think that we can see in this verse that Jesus came so that we could live without fear. And in the next verse, it says, and when they looked up, they saw only Jesus with them. This really spoke to me because there can be so many things around us that we can look at. There are distractions. There are things that cause us fear and they cause us to take our eyes off Jesus. But when we know that our savior reaches out to us and says, get up, don't be afraid. We can look up and we can see only Jesus. And then we are at peace. And we know that he has come to allow us to live without fear. This is the first key to remember. So if you're like a one sentence summary message kind of person, this is your first key to remember that he has come so we can live without fear. And I think that it's foundational for the next thing that God showed me. Mark doesn't have a chapter 17, so I just scooted right on over to Luke chapter 17. And again, in verse 7, we see Jesus talking about a servant serving his master. And he says, When a servant comes in from plowing or taking care of his sheep, he doesn't just sit down and eat. He must first prepare his master's meal and serve him his supper before eating his own. And the servant is not even thanked because he is merely doing what he is supposed to do. In the same way, when you obey me, you should say, we are not worthy of praise. We are servants who have simply done our duty. Well, what can we see that matters to Jesus in this passage? Servant heartedness. God kept bringing to my mind the word humility that we serve God and we serve others with humility. Linking back to the first thing that God spoke to me about, which was freedom from fear, we can see that when we are afraid, we become more self-seeking. We begin to try and control the outcomes for ourselves, our image, our belongings. But when we understand what matters to Jesus, 
and that is that we are free from our fears. When we hear Jesus say, get up, don't be afraid, and we look up and we see only his face, we know no fear of humbling ourselves before Almighty God. And Jesus calls us to live humbly. Paul pleads with the Philippians to live humbly, and Jesus exemplifies to us what it means to live in godly freedom and humility. If we head back to Philippians chapter 2, the evidence that Paul is asking for from the Philippians of their faith, of the life of their faith, is their unity with each other through their humility. He says in chapter 1 verse 1, chapter 2 verse 1, <laughs> Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? I'm sure some of us have asked that question before. <laughs> any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and sympathetic? If this is true, then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another and working together with one heart and purpose. The first time I read through this chapter and started here, I felt like Paul had asked the Philippians to do something that was impossible. We all know somebody in the church who we cannot agree wholeheartedly with. As much as we love each other, we can all probably think of that person that we just cannot agree wholeheartedly with, whether it be on a big topic or a little topic. And that is true. If we are thinking about what matters to us, we cannot be united. But when we focus on what matters to Christ, when what matters to him matters to us, then this is what unifies us. And it's the only way that we could possibly um, live in what Paul is talking about there. The one heart and purpose that we are working together toward is the heart and purpose of Jesus. And when what matters in his heart matters in our hearts, we can agree wholeheartedly with each other. Now, here is where Paul brings in the key of humility in uniting us with each other and with God. In verse 3, he says, Don't be selfish. Don't live to make a good impression on others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourself. Don't think only about your own affairs, but be interested in others too and what they are doing. And he gives us the greatest reason in the world and the greatest example that we could possibly have of being humble. He says, your attitude should be the same that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God's son, he did not demand and cling to his rights as God. He made himself nothing. He took the humble position of a slave and appeared in human form and in human form, he obediently humbled himself even further by dying a criminal's death on a cross. Because of this, God raised him up to the heights of heaven and gave him the name that is above every other name. So at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus is the ultimate example of humility. He humbled himself to become a human, not clinging to his rights as God, and then humbled himself to death on a cross, taking on our sins. 
the impact of that was the ability for us to be united with God and for us to be united with each other. See, humility is foundational to unity. And I feel like that's the message that God has for us. Humility before him and humility before each other to bring unity with him and unity with each other. I find it a bit funny that God gave me a word about unity at a time when we are all physically distanced from each other. I can't even give you all a hug at the end of this. But I think we are all learning that unity and community cannot be stopped by physical distance. God's arms reach beyond that. And his heart certainly reaches beyond that to draw us to him and to each other. Now, this is where I really felt like God was creating the word that he had given to me. And I was just, I'm just following his lead. I started to wonder why he had given me the numbers one and seven and to look up chapter 17 across the gospels. And I did know that, I did know that um, numbers in the Bible can have meanings behind them where the same number appears many times with the same message associated with it. So I decided to look up the biblical significance of the numbers one, seven and 17. And I will give you one guess what the number one represents. Unity, because it is indivisible. When I read this, I was pretty excited. I knew that God was confirming that this was the word that he has for us this week as his family. Now the number seven is just as cool. It represents spiritual fullness or completion. It is the number of a covenant. And a covenant is the ultimate example of unity. It's a promise between man and God or man and man where they've joined together. The number 17 represents complete victory. I found great meaning in this, that the two numbers he'd given me represented unity with him and with each other. And then those numbers together represented complete victory. I feel as though the meaning of this goes deeper than I understand or have the time to cover in this message. But I am believing in faith that this is really going to speak to some of you who are listening and you are going to go on your own journey of discovering more about what this means and what God is saying to us and that this message won't stop here, but it will keep going through the family working together. So... The last gospel that I had to look at was the gospel of John. And when I turned to John 17, I was just gobsmacked. John chapter 17 is actually the prayer that Jesus prayed before he was betrayed and arrested and went to the cross. And it's a prayer that he prays for his disciples and all who will ever believe in him. And I really don't know why I haven't paid more attention to this before, because I was just amazed that my own saviour had this whole chapter, which was a prayer in the Bible. And, and he says in it that he's praying over everyone who will believe in him. And I just think of the night times where I lay my hands on my kids and I pray over them and 
to think that my saviour has like reached out through the millennia and his prayer is there for me. I just had shivers and it's amazing what he says. Just listen to the, the words that he says about unity, how Jesus prays for unity. And I'm going to read the whole thing. And I really just, I pray that you can just pause and listen and soak this in. It's got a little bit of that, you know, John vibe where it's like, he was in the Father and the Father was him and the Word was God and he was God and, you know, lots of words like that. So I really, I want to just um, give you that heads up so you can be paying attention because it is truly amazing what Jesus says. Father, the time has come. Glorify your Son so he can give glory back to you. For you have given him authority over everyone in all the earth. He gives eternal life to each one you have given him. And this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the one true God and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. I brought glory to you here on earth by doing everything you told me to do. And now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. I have told these men about you. They were in the world, but then you gave them to me. Actually, they were always yours and you gave them to me and they have kept your word. Now they know everything I have is a gift from you, for I have passed it on to them. And they accepted the words and know that I came from you and but they believed you sent me. My prayer is not for the world, but for those you have given me because they belong to you. And all of them, since they are mine, belong to you, and you have given them back to me, so they are my glory. Now I am departing the world. I am leaving them behind to come to you. Holy Father, keep them and care for them. All those who, have given, all those who you have given me, so that they will be united, just as we are. During my time here, I have kept them safe. I guarded them so that not one was lost, except the one heading for destruction, as the scriptures foretold. And now I am coming to you. I have told them many things while I was here with them, so they would be filled with my joy. I have given them your word, and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not. I am not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They are not part of this world any more than I am. Make them pure and holy by teaching them your words of truth. As you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. And I give myself entirely to you so that they might be entirely yours. I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me because of their testimony. My prayer for all of them is that they will be one, just as you and I are one. Father, that just as you are in me and I am in you, so they will be in us. And the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me, so that they may be one, as we are. I in them, and you in me, all being perfected into one, 
Then the world will know that you sent me and will understand that you love them as much as you love me. Father, I want these whom you give, have given me to be with me so they can see my glory. You gave me the glory because you loved me even before the world began. O righteous Father, the world doesn't know you, but I do. And these disciples know you sent me and I have revealed you to them and I will keep on revealing you. I will do this so that your love for me may be in them and I in them. Jesus says that he wants us to be united with him and with each other. He prays that over us, that we would be united with him and united with each other. He says that he has given us the glory that God gave him so that we may be one. I really look out for those so that moments in the Bible because we know that God has given us his glory and the reason for that is so that we may be one with him and one with each other. And it says, and then the world will know that God sent Jesus and that God loves the world as much as he loves Jesus. There's just great power in this unity that God is calling us to. This word is far less practical than I would generally like to give. But I just really felt like it came straight from the heart of God. I actually feel like it's a word that will have meanings that I don't comprehend to other people. Um, and I'm just praying into that. It's just a reminder of what matters to Christ Jesus. Freedom from fear, humility before God and each other, and unity with God and each other. I'm praying that this word sinks into your spirit like a seed. And as you go about your life, it is watered. As you put into action God's saving work in your life, that it flourishes. And I, I wonder if there might be those out there who don't yet have that relationship with Jesus. We know that when Jesus prayed over us, he says, he gives eternal life to each one you have given him. And this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. And I pray that if you don't know Jesus yet, that you don't know God yet, that you want to know him in a deeper way, that you can just lay your heart before him, acknowledge him as God in your life and the work that he has done in forgiving you of your sins, forgiving me of my sins and giving us that freedom.